make deals. Base hits to right field. Here comes Richardson. Here's the throw for Marquez. Richardson is safe. Derek Jeter ends his final game with a walk-off single. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? That is absolutely clobber. Good gosh, where is that going to land? Oh, my, what a bomb from Aaron Judge. Testing the limits of Safeco Field with home run number 31. OMG. This is Brandon Lockridge, and you are listening to the Bronx Machachos. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to the newest edition of the Bronx Machachos podcast, brought to you by Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm your host, Mark. And today, we got a sh- we got a short crew with us. We got Danny. Yeah, what's good, everybody? And we got a friend of the pod, our brother from another mother, mother Mr. Paul Wooden from Prospects 1500. Paul, hey. what's going on? Hey, good evening, guys. All right, everyone, you guys know the drill. Like, subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff. Apple Podcasts, Google Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all that good stuff, man. You know the you know the drill. Um, also, don't forget to check out our our merch at or anything else that we got going on at Linktree, which is link.tree backslash Real Bronx Muchachos. Uh, before we get started tonight, we want to give quick shout outs and and the condolences to some people. So first off, to the greatest footballer ever, Pele, who passed away. Uh, condolences to him and his, to his family. He was everyone who everyone knows the name he was the he was the he was the, the top of the top when it comes to, to to proper football and uh speaking of football we got uh uh Ham, hamlin who's who's uh recovering pretty well so he's he's not out of the woods but you know what he wrote down to his doctors today saying asking the, with, with consciousness goes oh did we win today and, he, and his doctors turned around and said yes you won the game of life so the fact that he's on his road to, on the way to recovery is a great thing to hear and of course, big shout outs to Garrett Cole having his second child. He's got he's got a daddy power now times two. So it's way, way to go, man. It's way to go. But uh yeah, the first thing we're gonna talk about, non it's not Yankee related, but it's kind of kind of rolls into the whole thing, which is man, Devers 11 years, 331 million dollars. I didn't see. I honestly didn't see that one coming. I thought. I thought that that was. I thought they were going to trade him. To be honest with you, I didn't think that they were going to resign him, even though they had to resign him. I didn't think they were going to do it because they were because all the number everything kept hearing was that they weren't coming close to three hundred million. Three hundred was was nowhere near. They were off by too much money, and then boom, they went three. You know, he's what shy of a little shy of thirty one million a year. So, uh, Paul, what do you think about this? No, I think it's a good deal for Boston. They got some young kids coming up. He's kind of going to be the veteran in the clubhouse. It also appeases to their fan base quite a bit. I mean, I know fans up here in Connecticut, they're still mad about Mookie Betts. So you have to appeal to your fan base a little bit. You you lost Mookie Betts. You lost Alexander Bogarts. You got to appeal and make some of them happy. So that'll uh, at least show something. I'm just looking at it like it's a good contract for them. And it's all about the kids at that point. You can make him the veteran in the clubhouse. They got a lot of good kids coming up for the middle infield. So it's a good deal all the way around. You appeal to your fan base. You you got something there for a veteran presence. So, I mean, I think it's a good deal for them. Yeah. I don't want to face Devers for the next 11 years, but it's cool. Like, 
I'm glad Boston did what they had to do just for the sport of baseball. Um, you, you want stars like Devers to get to get paid, and, and, and he got paid. So um, good, good for Devers. Um, sucks for the rest of the AL East, but you know the Red Sox are still going to suck. They've had one of the worst off seasons in, in recent memory. Um, to let Bogarts go after you know not getting nothing, not getting anything for him, not getting anything for JD Martinez, not getting anything for Nate Uvalde. Um, well, they might get a compensation pick because I, I think, or I, I'm not even sure if they get a compensation pick with Avaldi. So, I think they only uh, get it for for Bogarts. I think it's Bogarts, Bogarts who I think Bogart. Or maybe they get they maybe get one for for everyone because I mean, it, Bogarts went to to San, you know San Diego, then Avaldi. I, I forget how much Avaldi signed for though, because I think if he signed for under 50 million, then but I but I think he got more. But if he signed under 50 million, then then they don't get any compensation for him. He signed for like thirty-seven million, two years, thirty-seven million, something like that. Yeah, no, they don't get a compensation so, for him. You know, Boston just is not going to be good again this year, even with you know Devers staying sticking around. Um, so that kind of, it, it, that sucks for baseball because baseball is at its best when the Yankees and Red Sox are the premier you know players in, in the in the AL East. So um, hopefully one day we'll get to that point, but obviously we still want to beat them. So. Um, you know, that sucks to see. I mean, it sucks to see them suck so bad, you know. Um, uh, I'm glad for Devers to get that money, though. Yeah, no, good, good for him. Um, also, quick shout outs Daniel Barry Sports Highlights said, What's up, man? How you doing? And uh, Dave, our boy Dave, good old Davey boy, part of the pod, he said he was shout out there going. I'm he won't we won't have to see him 19 times a year going forward because the new alignment but I mean it's still AL East and it's still he still gets up there and he still kind of he kind of hammers Cole whenever he gets gets around so I mean you know you still don't want to see him in those in those spots but I look for I look at it this way he was going to be a free agent after this year and Longhold Yankees were going to have an opening at third base at the end of this year too so I mean it kind of was kind of beginning to align it would have been a nice little, you know, nice little twist of the knife in the side of Boston of the Red Sox to, to go ahead and get their star guy who was crazy young and get him. They could get him for ten years and then, boom. I mean, he would have been the defense there is not, is at, it's average, a little bit above average now. He did pretty well last year, but you know he's not he's not a he's not a long term solution at third base. What are you gonna say, Dan? You know, I, I just I just had this thought. Um, it's kind of good that Devers stayed over there because now we have a chance at Murakami from Japan, 25-year-old. Well, when he comes to the United States, he'll be 25. And he just broke the single season record for homers in Japan. And he's a beast. <laughs> so... I think he's going to I think he's going to go to first base for us. Yeah. But he said he wants to stay on West Coast except for the he goes he's intrigued by coming to the Yankees. So I mean, he knows what he knows how to play, he knows how to play it up. Mm-hmm. I just I just think Devers turns into a DH at some point in that contract too. Cuz he's 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 yeah. hopefully he doesn't turn out like Pablo Sandoval and blow up and get huge cuz that'll that'll be interesting. He's got that body where he could do that. Well, I mean, I will say one thing, man. I mean, the reports out there are that there's a possibility of openings at first base coming around. I mean, you already got Hosmer that went to the Cubs. And, you know, they they let him go. He's he's with the Cubs now. But I keep hearing that the Marlins are really, 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 really trying to get themselves 
Tristan Cassis. So I mean, you're gonna go Tristan Cassis, and then what? You got Blaze Jordan in their in, the, in their minor leagues to play for to play first base. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, there's a good no. chance in a few years that he kind of does the Miggy the Miggy Cabrera thing, where he just moves on over to first base. Mm-hmm. And the only way I give up with Tristan Cassis if, is this, is if I get Yuri Perez or Eric Cabrera, that'll be it from the Marlins. You know, if you're talking about anybody else, maybe a Trevor Rogers, but. It'll be Trevor Rogers plus for a guy like Tristan Cassis. But if they want to do that, hey, good riddance. I don't want to see Tristan Cassis in, in this division either. No, I, you know, and it's good for, and you know, for like the Marlins, it's, you know, it'll help put, but, you know, cheeks in the seats basically, because, you know, he's, Tristan Cassis is a South Florida boy. So you get someone like him, you know, you get like a Yandy Morales from the University of Miami, kind of put those two guys at the corners. I mean, you kind of get homegrown talent and homegrown guys that people down there have seen and know about to come in. I mean, that's, that's, but we're not a Marlins podcast. We're a Yankees podcast. Yeah. So, you know, and it kind of, that whole third base thing and that, you know, talking about that is open. I mean, Dave's t- telling us we have an opportunity to sign Machado as long as he opts out after this year. But, wow. you know, we have, there's in, there's people internally we can kind of go for as well, you know, and, I think that leads to one to what the Yankees big signings the past couple days. Um, they're not on not on the field, but off the field, which are really good. Is bringing back into the fold, bringing back home Brian, Brian Sabian, who started his career with the Yankees and he's got player development written all over him. I mean, he he was the head of of scouting and player development back in the early '90s before he went out to San Francisco. And you can see you can see the marks he you know his fingerprints all over the, the championship runs that that they had there, um, and then we also brought in um, Omar Manaya, and he's the a special assistant and uh, to to the baseball operations, and he has put his finger had his fingers all over the Mets, especially in their scouting department. You know, did wonders with the Expos for a while, um, with the Mets for a good for a good amount of time. I mean, he he's a he's a baseball lifer. I mean, let's just, let's just think of it this way. Paul knows this is a fact too that all, with the exception of Spencer Jones, our best prospects are field are position prospects. They're in Double A and above, so it's coming. We're coming to a logjam, especially with those guys, where we're going to have to figure out who's staying and who's going. I mean, we all have our 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 opinions. I mean, I've said it plenty of times what my opinions are. Danny, you too. I know Paul's opinions, but those but there's other guys that are out there. And specifically talking about guys like um, Everson Pereira, Trey Sweeney, Dunham. You, we got uh, Lockridge out there too. I mean, even you know Josh Bro. I mean, the list can go on and on a little bit longer. But we got to find out if they're staying, they're going, if they're worthwhile, and if they're if they're not going to be part of this team, if they're not going to change position, where they're going to go. So, uh, swing it over to you guys. What's your thoughts about? About those two uh, guys being brought back into the fold. Well, I really love Sabian. I really love the fact that we we get him back. Um, he's had his hands in two championship runs, like like Mark was saying that he was ahead of scouting for the Yankees back in the early nineties. Um, I think it was from like eighty nine to ninety two or ninety to ninety two, and that's right in the thick of Bernie Williams, Mariano, Andy Pettit. Well, uh, Mariano and Andy kind of came a little bit later, but Bernie Williams, you know, Sabian had a, had a big impact on, on, on that and getting him into organization, Jorge Posada. So 
Um, that's a real big part of our core. And then he did it again in San Francisco. So to, to have a guy of his stature kind of be, I don't know if it's going to be a right-hand man to, to Cashman or if he's going to um, kind of, you know, give him advice. I, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, that relationship. But to have that depth, that depth of knowledge, just being like a, a great baseball dude and, and a guy that's produced championships for two organizations, you know, I'm here for it. Uh, we, we need different ideas. We need different voices. Uh, Cashman has been in the organization for like 26 years. All right. Like that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculously long time for one person to be in one organization. Kind of need a different viewpoint, different lens to, uh, to go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, Cashman has been with the organization longer. He and Sabian known each other since the, since the eighties. They they came oh, up God. they came up in the organization together. So I mean, he was he was a GM for twenty you know twenty plus twenty plus. He's been a GM for twenty plus years. Not to cut you off there, Danny, but yeah, that's how cool. him and Sa- yeah, that's how him and Sabian know each other because Sabian was on Mad Dog and said, you know, I've been talking to Cashman. You know, he brought up the idea of me coming back coming back. He was in you know he goes I was into it. Went to Hal Hal signed off on it and boom he's over and that's why he's over here. You know, Cashman has and Cashman has a has a long history of bringing the bringing former GMs back over. I mean, we have Jim Henry, who was a who was a long time GM for the Cubs. He's he's a scouter scout for us. Manaya and we got um, Sabian. Also had um, Kevin Towers for a little while too. Mm-hmm. When he when his run with with the with the Padres were done. Mm-hmm. But oh, didn't mean to cut you off there. So keep on going. Oh, no, on. no. But yeah, no, no. You, you hit the nose on, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, having a different lens is really going to help this team, I think. Uh, just having the same person running this, they do the same thing. You get comfortable with doing the same thing. Let's shake things up. Let's have different perspectives. And hopefully that could lead to better results with player development, especially at our, our you know, we have guys like Roger Arias coming up. Uh, Brandon Maia potentially could be in, in this organization soon. So the next wave of baby bombers is coming and we need a guy like Brian Sabian or Manaya to kind of help usher in the guys that we have already in our front office and organization, given a different perspective. So I'm looking forward to it. It can only be good things. I mean, this, this dude had his fingerprints on five, uh, on like shoot four and three on seven championships. So um, I'm here for it. I think I, I like the signings. Um, I think Sabian gives us an opportunity to see Trey Sweeney, to see Austin Wells, to see if they are shortstop, to see if they are catcher. I think that's going to be a big thing. You kind of get to see the guys at their rightful positions and maybe move them off if you see something certain. But I also, and I talked to Mark about this earlier, I also think this is Brian Cashman, you're on check. I understand these are Brian Cashman hires. Doesn't mean that Hal has to fire them. They can go right into that GM spot. So I think Brian Cashman, you're on notice. You have two experienced general managers there. They may not want the general manager position, but they may. I mean, both guys very experienced. Both guys have won championships. Brian Cashman, you have nothing but win now. You have all the people here to do it. You have the players here. We spent money on the players. You spent money internally in the upper management. Win now or you're you're done because we have replacements. We have legit good replacements. With contracts. 
I think Cal put him on notice. That's that's a also we were talking about this before. It's still it's a very fair point. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Sabian's going to want to take the GM job, but Manaya Manaya will. I think Manaya is always looking to get back into the into that spot. But I first think that you know the Sabian Manaya they're going to they're going to split it right down the middle. They're, I think they're going to do a lot of scouting. I think I think Manaya probably be down probably is down in the, in the Dominican Republic right now watching watching Brandon Maya play but, but <laughs> and split it down the middle co GMs. That's fine. Both guys have a little less to do at that point. Well, you see how work, how that worked back in the in the eighties for the Lakers when you had the you had the GM, you had the, the head coach for the offense, head coach for the defense. <laughs> but no, I mean, listen, those those two guys, those two guys are big names and they're big, they're big talent, and they got big personality, and they know what they're doing too. Because even Man- even with Manai, I mean, he he brought he brought a Mets team to the to the World Series, or and he brought them within games of, of making playoffs plenty of times too. So, I mean, you can't, you know, he's not a, he's not a bad choice to bring in. And with all the experience they have in, in scouting, you know, I can only, I can only see good things that are going to happen, I, especially now with a lot of the rule changes. And we're going to get into that later tonight, tonight, but those, the rule changes are going to have, have the scouting department is going to really need to, to really fine tune how these, how these kids and how these players are going to be because, for such a long time now, you, we've had a Gleyber Torres who's used to being used to shifting, and there could be things that he he wasn't he, his deficiencies were covered up because you were able to have something else there. Or a DJ Mayhew who's now older now now he doesn't have the range that he had before. Now we can see maybe something else can happen. And speaking of those positions, you know we're talking second base. Both both those guys are second baseman. Let's go. Let's jump into into the shortstop position because. As of right now, we have uh, unfortunately the president of the Oswald <laughs> Peraza fan club is not here, Mr. Dave. But you got you got Volpe and you got Peraza that are that got legitimate shots of making making the team out out the gate. You know, Cashman straight called uh, Volpe goes, "You have a legit shot to make this team from spring training. So, yo, do what you got to do." I think Peraza is the is the man is the first man up on this job as long as he comes in healthy. You know, I don't think he's going to lose the job because I think he's a better defender, and I think defense defense is going to be a premium. But let's let's throw let's throw us around the horn. Let's call first. One, I, I know I, I have a feeling we're we're all going to be in agreement on something. But if we're if we're going to start the season with Volpe and Peraza up, where are their positions? And let's and even if we talk Peraza, talk Volpe first, what's his what will be his best position? Volpe, Volpe plays second base. I think his arm isn't strong enough. And I think that having Peraza in his strong arm over at shortstop will improve your defense quite a bit. Um, that's just me. Um, I think third base, you go to DJ at that point, And hopefully, you know, you can alternate DJ around a little bit. But I think he's the better third baseman over JD as well. Or Josh Donaldson as well. Um Think Volpe is the guy at second base. I don't see why not. And if you, if he doesn't start off good, I just stick DJ at second base and stick Volpe at, at uh, in the Triple A. I mean, last year he struggled mightily out the gate, and he fixed himself midseason. So I think that that's, you know, can he get the swing on right away? This is the biggest like spring training in Anthony Volpe's life. <laughs> Because if, if he if he hits like 450 in spring, 
like what's keeping them off this roster, right? Um, let let's see let let's see what Peraza does. I think he just has to do the bare minimum, like do better than IKF. All right, do better than IKF in the spring and don't make errors. Make the plays that are hit to you. Make the routine plays. Make the occasional highlight play because he has the ability to do it. But I would love to see Peraza um, opening day at shortstop, and I really think. Volpe, unless he hits that 450 or something ridiculous in spring, is going to start in AAA because we still have we still have Glaber Torres on this roster. We still have IKF. We still have Donaldson. We still have DJ LeMayhew. So we kind of got a, a log jam right in the middle of the field right there. Um, but Peraza, I, I think it's important for this team to, to get that energy of a young kid. We saw what happened when Cabrera came up last year. To get that at the beginning of the year, as opposed to waiting until the dog days of summer to, to bring kids, put all that pressure on them, bring up Peraza now, have him play short every day, give him the reins. And even if I'm Aaron Boone, I said, I give him all the, the confidence in the world. Just be like, hey, man, you're my shortstop, right? Kind of like what, uh, what what Joe Torrey did with Jeter. You know, hey, you're, you're my shortstop. You're going to be out there every day. Like, even if you make an error, if you go 0 for 4, if you go 0 for 15, you're going to be my shortstop. So hopefully that conversation happens or is already happening or something to that effect, building his confidence. But having Peraza there be the guy is the way to go heading into 23. No, I, I, agree, with, I agree with both of you guys. I think Peraza, the, for the little bit and – I, you know, I always, I always said this. I always blame Boone for the last part of the year with Peraza, where they could. And, and I understand why Boone did what he did, and I understand why the front office did what they did. Why, why they continued to play IKF because you didn't want to possibly lose him totality, like his mind being shot. Like, oh, you guys, you know, and the confidence was completely gone. I get it, but they, you know, we had this conversation. Peraza should have been brought up earlier and let him let him ride. But I agree with you, Danny. Like. They should just say, "Job is yours. Take it. Run with it. Don't worry about. Don't worry about the spring. Get yourself. Get yourself ready. Get yourself fine tuned. And then boom, come out the gate. Let's and let's rock and roll." Think. I think. I think Volpe will be up. I don't. I, unless, like you said, unless he hits four fifty with like, unless he pulls a Higgy spring training. I think. I. I think Volpe gets like a month down in <laughs> in in AAA. I think I think so, and then during that time frame, that's when you'll that's when you'll have the ability to kind of trade a Glaber or an IKF if all those guys are still on the team, kind of start beginning to make mix and match and make some deals and move people around, or even worse comes to worse, what if Jay, what if Donaldson turns around and just craps the bed, can't hit can't hit his weight at that point, and you know thirty eight year old they just turn around and say you know what we're just going to cut you and be done with it, and then bring him up for and bring him up for that, so I mean there's a lot of options that, to do that, but. I think as long as Vol- I think if Volpe gets up before I think was it May fifth, I think even, I think on the flip side of the coin, Yankees are still incentivized to do that because then even if he finishes in what I think the new the new rules are, if he finishes in like the top five, I think it is on on rookie of the year voting or top three, yeah, if, he, if it's top three in the rookie of the year voting, I mean then then the Yankees are incentivized and they get they get additional draft picks and they get additional money towards 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 everything. So I mean. I can't. I can only see it as a win-win. But as long as they have the right, you know, the pieces moved out of the way. I've been saying this 
I've been comparing Volpe to Jose Ramirez. Just, when Jose Ramirez first came up, you know, power, speed, uh, second baseman. But you see what he does at third. And I, I kind of, you know, they're, they're both short, on the shorter end. And they both got that power-speed combination. So I, I really like Volpe at third. Um, you don't have to have – I mean, you got to have the arm strength. Um, and his arm strength for short is average. So uh, maybe it will be below average at, at, at third and above average at second. But um, I, I really like him at third. The, the athleticism, just the range and, and all that, I, I, I like it a lot at, at third. But – um, second will probably be the most logical choice and most likely what will happen. But if you're saying if JD does, you know, forget how to hit like you did last year. Hey, man, you got a viable option between DJ um, and, and Volpe to kind of fill that void. No, definitely, definitely right. So, uh, Paul, what do you think? What do you think of something like that? You think you think I know uh, we're you know, we've all we've all I know Danny's been kind of been the first one really banging the drum about Volpe moving to third base, but you you think he can you think he can handle third, or is it kind of more possibly like more of a waste of his range at third base? No defense getting to the wall will be fine. I'm like like Danny said, I'm a little afraid. Does he have that arm strength to get it across on a fast runner or something like that? I mean, that would be my concern. If I wanted to play that, I may consider moving Peraza over to third and leave Volpe at shortstop because Peraza has the better arm of the two, and he's just as good defensively getting to the ball as Volpe. I, that's just, just just something I'm throwing there. And then kind of just seeing what sticks. I think you see them all. I mean, you could even go as, go crazy and put Cabrera at third base. He's uh, He's got the arm. He's played there before. If you're desperate for some somebody at third base, something happens to Donaldson, something happens where you need – DJ LeMahieu kind of wandering around a little bit. Stick Cabrera, though, there, and then hope left field kind of shakes out between Hicks and whoever else. Well, it's funny you mention it's funny you mentioned left field because it bring, brings us to another topic that we that we got going on, which is uh moving to the to our outfield prospects. The top two, our top two outfield prospects are Jason Dominguez and Spencer Jones. And they're right both right now play center field. So let's let's wait this way. Who's gonna, who do you think is going to have the better who do you, who do you think one is going to have the better career or who I'm sorry who's going to get to the to the big leagues first between the two so I'll, I'll swing it back back around to Danny who do you think is getting to the bigs first Dominguez or or uh or Jones well this topic just gives me chills because I get excited about both players cuz the ceilings for both of them are just so high and just like uh I want to see both of them in the Bronx but uh I I think if, if Spencer Jones tears up high A, if he has another really good half a season at double A, even with Dominguez already starting at double A, I think Jones might be the first guy up. And he's older. He's had this SEC experience. He's already tore up single A uh, in Tampa, albeit in, in, in a really small sample size hit 344, set, uh, four homers over like 40 games, something like that. But not even 40 games, 40 at-bats. So um, I would love to see him start at Hudson Valley for half the season, go to double-A, and then, hey, once you get to double-A, 
you know, you really don't have to play a triple A. We saw that last year with Michael Harris. He's rookie of the year. Spencer Strider, the, the Braves are super aggressive with their prospects. I will, I, I kind of envy the Braves in that because I wish the Yankees were a little bit more aggressive. Um, I would love to see Spencer Jones in left field because he handled it athletically. If, if he could add lift to that swing, we're, we're, we're talking about a 40 homer dude. We're talking about like easy day, 40 homers. He, you might get 15 to 20 bags with the new rule changes, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But Spencer Jones is a special type of talent, and he's a left-handed Aaron Judge. And we, we've seen it. I saw him a lot watching Vandy games. The dude's power is real. Um, so I think Spencer Jones is going to be the guy that's going to be playing left or center, depending on what type, what year it is, because we still got Harrison Bader. We're still, you know, platinum type of gold glove guy in center um and and we'll see what happens in left it's a stop gap realistically this year's stop gap for for left well don't forget Bader, Bader's a Bader's a free agent after this year too yep so i mean exactly. you got yeah, two right. you got two yeah. you, you got two people so all right so let's let's throw this out there 5 years down the line who's got the better career i'm going to swing all these poll questions over to Paul in a minute too but figure sitting on sitting over here with Danny you know, I've, I've literally been thinking about this all day. I've been going back and forth, right? We, we hear left-handed Aaron Judge, like I said, consider, uh, concerning um, Spencer Jones, but you hear names like Mike Trout, Bo Jackson. When it comes to Jason Dominguez, he's younger. He may have a bigger impact on all facets of the game. He had 37 stolen, ba- uh, stolen bases in his first full year of professional ball, 120 games, 16 homers, 59 RBIs. The average is like 263, but 37 bags with the 16 homers, and the kid is 19. He, he's three years younger than his average competition. So I think we will all buy, we will all buy in on 16 homers, 260 average, and 30 bags for the big leagues this year from left field because we didn't get that. So it's just going to, he's, he's going to get better by the time he's 21, those 16 homers might become 20, 25 homers. Those 30, those 30 bags might stay around the same number, but, um, and he gets on base at a ridiculous clip. Ridiculous. His eye is, is really good. 72 walks in, in, in 120 games, which is really good for a 19 year old. So that's, that's going to get better. So all right, I'm going to say this, hopefully, um, I, I don't, hopefully he proves me right. I, I, I see like a Juan Soto type of impact for Jason Dominguez. Initially, first coming up, I, I will love that. The on-base skill, the, the ability to hit for power, and he's a switch hitter. Everybody do yourselves a favor. Go after the show. Not right now. Pay attention to us. Stay focused. But after the show, go look up the Eastern League Championship game and look what Jason Dominguez did in that game. All right. He's, he's a stud. Uh, so I think Dominguez over time will have a better career than Spencer Jones initially. All right, Paul, what do you think? What do you, who do you think makes it to the bigs first between the two of them? I'm going to say J-Dom only because he's got that experience already at double A. And I think another issue I'm going to have here is this could be the Peraza Cabrera thing where the fan base needs a spark, the team needs a spark. I think J-Dom brings that spark bigger than Spencer Jones, only because the hype around J-Dom. 
it's, it's a hype situation. Everybody loves them. Everybody knows them. Everybody's seen the highlights. Everybody's seen it. You know, like, like Danny just said, all you got to do is go watch the playoff game. It's there. Like, you've seen that. I Most, I'm going to use the word common, I guess. Most common baseball fans haven't seen the hype of Spencer Jones. They've seen the hype of J-Dom. So, you're going to put butts in the seats. You're going to call Jason Dominguez. But, I discussed this with you, Mark. I think this is going to be like 2016 when Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge came up like the same day. I could see something where they're like a week apart, a week or two weeks apart. Something where like somebody gets released, somebody struggles, somebody gets hurt. You know, Aaron Hicks obviously gets hurt all the time. You got a couple guys, you know, a couple guys that have potential to get hurt. And, and let's be honest. Let's be very honest. Can Aaron Judge stay healthy again? We know he's not going to, you know, can he do that again? That's another outfield you got to worry about. Can he, you know, he's not going to have that same production more than likely like he did this year. You know, is he going to stay healthy? Is Hicks going to stay healthy? You've got a lot of issues and, and question marks of health in the outfields. Even Harrison Bader, he goes really hard. There's a chance he gets hurt. He goes hard all the time. So, like, my thing is, I think this could be like a, there's Jay Dom, two weeks later, here's Spencer Jones. So, I think they're really close. As far as center field, I think Spencer Jones is the guy for that. I think Jay Dom continues to grow, to be very honest with you. He's got a big th- frame already, big stocky frame. Continues to grow. That speed's going to go away a little bit. It's probably a better corner guy because of that arm. Long term, I'm going to say Jay Dom as well. I think that that's the way to go. I think he's just got all the tools at once. We'll just, they all just click and like you're going to have a monster guy. Where Spencer Jones, he may be a little bit all over the board on all the tools. So all right. that's the theory on that. All right. I've, so I was excited when, when we, I'm, Danny and I both were excited when 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 we drafted Spencer Jones, like crazy crazy excited. Like we were we we were talking the entire time when the when the draft was happening, we'd see all the everyone kind of come up like oh you know they're everyone you know the mock drafts like oh they're gonna pick this person that person, and every time I kept saying I'm going dude six you know six seven out of Vandy I said you can't go wrong with Vandy Vanderbilt man, and mind you that that last year this past year was the first year that Spencer Jones was fully. Healthy from his, from his Tommy, Tommy. Tommy John, you know, and that was when he was a pitcher in high school. He had Tommy John surgery, so I mean, now you're now you're now you're catching him, you know, putting all that behind him. Now he's going full tilt. Um, you know, he tore up he tore up FCL, tore up you know low A ball. I mean, he was I think it was expected that he was going to do both. Just coming from S- coming from the SEC, um, I keep reading reading all these clips that. Everything that the you know the instructional leagues like everything that they wanted him to do, he's picked up and then exceeded all their expectations, with the exception of they haven't he hasn't put more loft into the into his swing like uh, Danny was talking about before, but it's line drives. <coughs> Excuse me. And one of the things about Spencer Jones also was that he had some of the hardest hit baseballs in college last year. I mean, I think there were I mean you know they were they were BB core bats, but. Think he was having exit. Yeah, I think one of his exit velocities was 123 miles an hour off the bat. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. So I mean, he's hit. I mean, big dude is hitting the ball hard. Um, I think, you know, I I think I think they're going. I would love to see them both playing in. I think they're both going to hit AAA. I think they'll both be in AAA together, him and and the Martian. Um, but I kind of I'm kind of going down the road road with you guys because I think. Because because Dominguez has, has done it and he did it at a high level already in in double A, I think he gets the bump. He could get get the bump before 
um, before Jones, but I think Jones, I think Jones is going to be the center fielder of the, of the, of the future when the two of them make it up there. I think Jones will be the center fielder. Dominguez goes left and obviously right field is going to be judged for the next minimum five years. As long as, as long as stands on the team, judge is going to be the right fielder. Um, but then, then comes the fun part, which is five years down the line, who's going to have the better career. And that's just, you know, the intangible be you're talking about Dominguez and Jones who are, and even for that matter, you got Volpe. They all could be middle rotation, middle. I mean, just with the judge sits there, you could have a starting lineup of Peraza, Peraza leading off judge. Then you got Dominguez, then Jones, then Stanton for a little bit, then Volpe. I mean, you can just play around with it. That's all crazy. I mean, but let, I think I think can I toss out something real wild. Jones, I think he might have the better career. Let me let me yeah. toss out something real wild. Just just a thought here. Everson Ferreira, he's on the forty man. That could be your call up before Jay Dominic and Spencer Jones because you don't got to waste a forty man spot on him. on him. He's already there. That's a quick, easy transition. Yeah, but I don't think I, I don't. DFA, it is whatever. I don't think I don't think I don't think he make I don't think he gets called up first though. I think that he like I think that's the that. I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm still like, to... I, I'm talking like if you got a guy for two weeks, guys, two weeks out, there's your four, there's your forty man guy. Instead of having to call up those guys and deal with that and send them back, this doesn't turn into Esteban Florial where they keep jerking them around up and down, up and down. For, well, for that matter, back. for that for that matter, might as well throw throw Elijah Dunham up there. Elijah Dunham's on the forty man roster too, and he and he, and he's a, he's one of those dirty he's a dirty jersey kind of guy, which means are we looking at center? Are we looking at corner though too? Prayers playing center. I mean, Dunham. I mean, I was I was thinking I'm thinking more along the lines of the, just the two Dominguez and, and Jones because I think I think down the line I don't think Pereira stays at center field. You know, if we're talking his team. To be what honest, was that? I don't th- I don't think he stays with the team. To be quite honest, I think he's a good trade candidate. I do too, and that's why I think I, that's why I think Sabian and and Manaya are going to be looking hard at him to see what he what his value is going to truly be. So, um, like, but the three you know, biggest trade chips, position player wise, for the Yankees: Trey Sweeney, Austin Wells, and Everson Perra. Like those three dudes are going to get us somebody some down down the road, and I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it's a Brian Reynolds. Who knows? I, 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 no, nobody knows at this point. Nobody knows what type of conversations Brian Cashman's had with other clubs, but I, I, I could almost guarantee that if we make a big trade, one of those three dudes are going to be a part of it, especially if they have big years at Double A and Triple A. Because Pereira, Wells, they're both knocking on the door at Triple A. They're they're right there. They spent a full season almost at Double A already. So hmm, it'll be interesting to see. I mean. Well, I mean, Wells is Wells is a different animal all to himself, just because he's playing catcher. He does, you know, the arm strength is not there. I mean, he could be a serviceable backup catcher, but the bat plays, man. I mean, if the bat plays, time to time to move him off there. You know, have him play a little bit of first base. Have him play. You know, I think I think this year they're going to rotate him around. They're going to play him short catcher, first base, and left field, kind of right. just pick picking him around, let him move around, so he does so. He, he can keep that bat in the lineup because the bat, the bat's legit. The bat's MLB ready. It's just where, where the, where you, where you gonna stick him? 
I mean, if worse comes to worse, I mean, they might as well just stick him at first base. You know, let, let Rizzo, you know, Rizzo's got minimum two years on this deal and then kind of, mm-hmm. okay, let's just make the transition. The Wells will be ready by then, 100%. Oh, yeah. I think two years might be pushing, Too much. honestly. No, no, I think Wells will be ready at some point. I think the I think Wells could be ready at some point this year. 100%. <laughs> but... You know, it's fun to it's fun to think about all the all these all these guys all these kids that we have because we do have some some quality. Like I said, the quality of kids of players that we have coming up is is legit. I think. Well, here's here's a side note, Paul. Let me ask you this: If we take take these these four guys versus the these first four guys, you got Sanchez, Torres, Andujar, and Judge versus Dominguez, Peraza, Volpe, Jones. Which which four would you take? And I mean, these are these are coming in rookies, you know, not not what the careers are and what the careers became, but when they were coming up. Uh, boy, <laughs> so, um, I think that's a question for later in the year, to be honest with you. I think I need to see. We all need to see a little more out of those current four guys. Um, and I think you kind of at that point when they're all coming up, the Gary Sanchez's and Aaron Judges, you kind of knew what you had. Like, you don't know for a fact if Austin Wells is staying at catcher. You knew at that point Gary Sanchez was your catcher. Like, here we are discussing Austin Wells moving off where Gary Sanchez was already there. and Like, it's just very iffy. Like, what are you going to do with him? Uh, so I think in this case, if we're talking that, it's going to be the Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge thing because you know what you have. You still don't know what you have in Austin Wells altogether. You still don't know what you have in a couple of these guys. Well... We didn't know that Miggy was going to – we all knew Miggy sucked as a third baseman. So, if you had Miggy, Gary – I forgot the uh, – I think it was Torres and Judge, right, were, were the four yeah. dudes, right? right. We, we Torres was a dude that, like, hey, maybe he's a shortstop, maybe he's a second baseman. We don't really know, but he kind of settled into second base, and we see what Judge is now. But Miggy hasn't turned into much of anything. And I think prospect-wise – but Labor was up there, Judge was up there, and Gary was up there. Comparatively, I think Gary Sanchez was a better prospect than Austin Wells. Right. I, I'd probably take Volpe over Glaber coming up, like with the hype, because Glaber was never that number five prospect in all of baseball, right? Um, he was maybe top 10, top 20. Um Peraza, you know, also big impact dude, and and Spencer Jones. Oh man, if he if he has a really big year, he he could be flying up these boards. And Judge always had the strikeout thing. Everyone always knocked him for being too big and striking out and all that because he didn't have a lot of power in the minor leagues. The power came as he got to the big leagues. So prospect wise, Aaron Judge was never like. He was a fringe dude. He, he was compared to like Richie Sexton, who was like a, an all-star once, or a Dave Kingman. That those were the comparisons for Aaron Judge. Um, and so, prospect-wise, I'll take this crop right now because there's a little bit higher upside with with those guys currently. I agree with you on that. I like I I like the the crop that the prospect when we're talking strictly as prospects. Like you said, Judge had. You know, he was a BP god. Like he could hit the he could hit the tower lightning. You know, he hit the towers and hit the lights. 
in in, bat, in batting practice, but come game time, I mean, what I think he hit what twelve home runs was the most he had in one year. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't anything to talk about. They're just waiting waiting for him to figure it out. You know, uh, Gary Sanchez. Everyone knew the talent was there, just didn't know if he could put it together. Miggy had the bat. Couldn't you don't know where he's going to play? Glaber, Glaber, I think was the high, was the most highly rated t- prospect out of all of them. And he was the one, and we got him from the Cubs. So, I mean, there was those kind of guys. Um, I like the fact that more than I like the fact that all these guys that we have now, Dominguez, Wells, uh, Jones, Praza, Volpe, they're all drafted or signed, by, you know, signed there nationally by the Yankees. Um, I think that you know down the line too. I think the like if you want to go bigger crops of them, I think having Roderick Arias and then. Getting Brian, Brandon Meyer, I mean, it's 10 days out for, for that signing, but I don't see any changes happening. I, I still think that, you know, there, I don't, unless something drastically happens, Brandon Meyer is going to be a Yankee on January 15th. So, I mean, I think all those guys have really high ceilings, and they got there's a chance that they can be a lot better. There's a there's a bit of injuries, injuries, you know, off to the side. They can, I think, all those, all these guys can be a lot better than where Judge had, where Judge was, where everybody, where all these other guys were. And I think they, I think every single one of those, like even Greg Bird was in, is in that category, fell short injury wise. Tyler Austin, you know, couldn't, re, you know, had had really a good what six months, you know, six weeks, maybe half a year, and that's been about it. So, I think, every, I think all those guys fell short. That you know they. And while the while these new kids are coming up and they're gonna they're gonna fulfill the promise that that the baby bombers that we all talked about from the mid to mid teens didn't didn't really fulfill for us. You know, and, and we could add Clint Frazier to that, although he's like labor, you know, uh acquiring via trade uh for Andrew Miller. But you know, what what did Brian Cashman say about him? He he has legendary bat speed or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, he had that he had that pressure on him, Clint Frazier or Jackson Frazier, whatever you want to call him now. He had that pressure on him in New York, and he, he didn't do it. He did not do it. Obviously, the concussions didn't help him, but he, he had moments that walk-out homer against Milwaukee at the stadium, which was probably like the biggest highlight for him. Um, but everything else is just a mixed bag, and now he's a quadruple-A player for the Cubs, and he can't he can't stick it in the big leagues, and I, I mean, unfortunately a lot of that has to do with concussions. But um, hopefully, Justice 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 Sheffield was the same way, man. I mean, Justice Sheffield, yeah. Yankees had money multiple times that they should have called him up. They're like, no, 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 no. He's not. He's not there. Yeah. And Let's sure just enough, hope this doesn't turn into like Mason Williams, Slade Heathcott, J.R. Murphy. Let's let's hope that <laughs> oh, that doesn't happen. Gosh. All right, that's that's our you know Dante Dante Bichette Jr. Yeah, Eric, what was oh, it named? Juggalo, Gigolo? Gigolo. Gigolo, yeah. As long as it doesn't turn into that, we'll be okay. Yeah. I mean. Man. That's even like bad. a guy like Jorge Mateo. He, yeah, he's okay now. But look how many years and years it took <laughs> him to do this. Yeah. I mean, well, Mateo was kind of – Yeah. I mean, Mateo was kind of – went down – was on the same track that Gary Sanchez was. I mean – Immature players in in the minor in the minors, but it took them five Especially, six years to do anything in the big leagues. Yeah, after but I'm but, five Yankee prospect at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was a, yeah, he was the top guy, but his big thing was that he was all speed. 
You know what I mean? He was his 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 thing was he was all speed, and then the minute that yeah. they brought Glaber in there, they started moving around, going, "Okay, well we'll take we'll take uh, Mateo, we'll put you at second base, we'll put you at center field, we'll find a spot for you." Glaber Glaber's the guy we're investing in at shortstop. And I could be wrong, but I think it was like 2016. They actually had Mateo ranked over Judge in that year. I believe it was 2016. Yeah, he was their number three. Pro- Mateo was the number three. Yankees I think he was number prospect. one. At, he was number one at one point. He was the Yankees' number yeah, one prospect was, at one point. I think it was 2016 that they had, yeah. and they'll be Judge, Judge was never. Judge wasn't. Uh, I think what was it? I think Judge was was really high after Gary Sanchez was was gra- after he graduated, but Judge was never like the top top prospect for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I think I, so. You know everything that came about for him. I mean, credit to him is a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of things that he did. So, but and 2016 is uh, only six, seven years ago now. Jeez, crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to think about, right? It's wild. So I, it's I'm wild, looking man. it up right now. The 2016 top prospects, the top 20. Check MLB.com. Yeah, MLB.com's and got the got. This is according to SB Nation. I'm I'm going off of SB Nation right now. Gary Sanchez was number one, according to SB Nation. Mateo, number two. Judge was number three. James Caprillion, four. Domingo Acevedo, five. Oh, Domingo Acevedo. Rob Ref Snyder was number hey, six. Man. Acevedo finally made it. Finally made it he to did. the bigs. He <laughs> did. It took him a long time, but he did it. Wilkerman got Garcia, number seven. Wow. I was high on that guy. Yeesh. Dustin Fowler. He, and, he, and he wasn't even supposed to be. He wasn't even supposed to be the better of the Garcias. Dermis was supposed to be the better one. Yeah, Dermis. Well, at least Dermis made it to the bigs. Dermis, you know, is doing his thing in Oakland. Yeah, so Yeah. Um, Kyle Holder, number nine. Oh, all that he, defense with no bat. Yeah. Ian Clark in number ten. Yeah. And let me look. Uh, ah. uh, Tyler Wade was twelve. Coy John Park was still Mickey and, and Duhar in 19. And Luis Torrens rounded out the top 20. And then Montgomery was an honorable mention. So that's crazy. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, according to, to the MLB pipeline, Mateo was number one. This is 2016. Mateo was number one. They had Judge at number two. Sanchez, number three. Because at that point, I think Gary, Gary had a lot of the prospect fatigue going for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caprillion was four, Wilkerman uh, five, Dustin Fowler six, Acevedo seven, Tyler Wade, good old Tyler Wade, n- coming in number eight, Rob Refschneider number number nine, Ian Clarkin number ten. Ugh. Then you had they had number eleven is Jacob Lindegren. That was a, that was a name I remember. He was supposed to be he was he was supposed to be doing he was something that we were we were looking forward towards. Yeah. Uh, Luis Torn, yeah, Luis Torrens. Man, I can't. I can never forgive what San Diego did to that kid. He was. was he was. It really was. Ben Gamble, thirteen. Part of the Park. five situation. <laughs> it's a big part of it. Which one? What was that? For Torrens, it's a it's a big issue. Like with the rule, that's a big issue with the rule five. You could just get a guy and stick him on the bench for the whole season if you're a crappy team. Yeah, and then and he never got the development that because they paid him the barrel. Right. What they did to him. Uh, Brady Lale, Jordan Montgomery was number twenty. Good old Chance Adams. Chance uh, Adams. There's another one. Adam 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 Brian Mitchell. 
James Pazos was all right. He had a pretty good career. Yeah, he did. He was he all did. right. Leonardo Molina. I remember when he was. I remember Leonardo Molina was supposed to be a big. Was supposed to be a big, big, uh, big, com- big international prospect. But the, I think. I think for him was it was it him or Rafael or was it Rafael de Palma? The Paula. I think slid into second base. Oh, DePaula. And just, yeah. yeah, De Paula. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but didn't he? Didn't one of them slide into second base and just sure, tore, tear up everything in the ankle? I, I, I think one, one of them got a one of them had a nasty injury and just kind of ended everything. Now we're taking a bit of a deep dive there from a couple uh-huh. years yeah. ago. Oh yeah, I, I really we're, don't we're going deep dive in pro, we're going deep dive in prospect time. Yeah, <laughs> but this is fun to talk about because it just shows you that prospects are suspects. Like these are dudes that we were all excited about as Yankee fans. Molina like, in twenty seventeen with that with that leg. Ah, twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen, Molina leg. And we're all thinking, oh, hey, you know, this is the new Yankees core. And 2016 was the year that um, we sold the farm. Well, we we sold Miller, we sold Chapman, and then kind of replenished everything. And 17 became like this magical year for us. But going into it, like, we could say that our farm wasn't really all that good. You know, with Aaron Judge being not really Aaron Judge yet and – Jorge Mateo being the the, the class of, of, of our <laughs> prospects. Well, he had like eight, was it 80, 80, 80 stolen bases that year or something like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Every and time like he 50, turned around, it was on on base, flying around somewhere. Yeah, and like fifty errors. Then he had like I mean, a, it was uh, he, he was wild at errors once one year. Oh, yeah. That's why they yeah. did so, what they did to him. Just made him a utility player at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, like. He, he was one of the best defensive shortstops this year for for Baltimore. He had like a 2.4 defensive war. So that's that's that was top 10 in, in all the all in all right. the big leagues. Crazy. You know, so good for him, man. He turned his career around. I mean, he still had like 220 or something like that, even if that, but um he's a big leaguer, so good for him. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, he had he had to travel around. I mean, he went, you know, he got traded over to Oakland. I think Oakland traded him down to San to San Diego, and then he went came back to the East Coast from there. So I mean, he, sometimes sometimes it takes some of these guys a little while to find their to get their footing. I mean, like you said, prospects are always suspect, but I mean, yeah. you know, you get jerked but, around a lot in the, in the different going different places, different systems. I mean, you you never know know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, I still I still think this this group of guys is going to have the biggest impact. Even with even with all that being said. Because the tools are there, like you see it. It's it, it's not like wishy washy stuff. It's like legitimate stuff that is going to translate. And the mentalities are there. Like we're not having conversations about Volpe's immaturity. We're not having conversations about how Peraza can't handle the big leagues. Like we're we're not having you know Cabrera is is a dude. He has that confidence. Spencer Jones, same type of guy. But when it came to to Gary, when it came to Jorge Mateo, we're we're still questioning them as as men, and we're not having those same type of conversations with these guys. So I think the maturity level is going to only benefit um, this crop of of prospects because it's hard. Baseball's a hard game. You need to be a, no, a man about this stuff. No, you're 100 percent right, and I think I think even going forward, I think even the next the like the next wave that it's going to be coming up, the younger. 
I mean, it's funny enough we're saying younger guys when when we're talking about twenty, you know, twenty two, twenty one year olds. Dominguez is turning twenty next month. You know what I'm saying? Like it, you know. But I'm like the next the next crop that are all teenagers right now. The you know the the Arises, the Maeas, and the everyone's coming in the future too. I mean, those guys are gonna are even coming up, and they're they're supposed to be all highly touted as well. So I mean, there's just a nice it's going to be nice waves of people of prospects and nice waves of talent coming through the system but all that doesn't mean anything unless we can unless it's produced on the field and then speaking of on the field stuff this year we got all the all the new rule changes so who you know paul out of all the new rule changes what are you the most excited to to see going to be the shift going to see the left-handers get on base quite a bit more and um, hopefully even out the playing field quite a bit. You're going to have a lot of these lefties that are batting 230, now bat 270. I mean, I'm mad, I mean, off topic of the Yankees, imagine David Ortiz without the shift. Dude would have been ridiculous. And, and, and I mean, that list goes on. Imagine left, Jason Giambi, imagine left-handers without the shift. It, it, it would, just to make it more fair, it's, it's going to be ridiculous. The left-hand bat now becomes more important. A switch hitter now becomes more important. I can't wait for the stolen base to be back. Like, that was so, like, growing up, that was a big part of baseball, and I'm so excited to see that come back with the, the bigger bases, the limited throw, um, um, pickoff attempts to first. Uh, so I, I want to see, like, some big-time numbers when it comes to stolen bases. I want to see Trey Turner steal 120 bags. I want to see, like, these dudes – do something outrageous. I want to see Glaber steal thirty bags and hit thirty homers. You know, like I, I, I want, I, I want to see that come back to baseball because it just makes things so much more exciting. Like you don't know if this guy's going to steal. You don't know. You know, you got to do the the appropriate amount of pickoff attempts. So, um, the stolen bat, the stolen base is back in baseball, and I'm here for it. I like both. I like both of you, both both of you're saying. I mean, not just Nepal, not just for the lefties, but now they now all the shifts were coming against the right-handers too. I mean, then you'd have because because the team the game then shifted away from left-handed bats became more right-handed. Now every now you had three infielders on the right-hand side. The only thing I'm very intrigued to see is if someone and I, you know I think like the Rays will be the first team to do this. Which will take when the lefty comes up, take the left fielder and bring bring the left fielder over to playing shallow right field, or something like that, because that's not that's not outlawed. So I'm waiting for so I'm waiting for a team to, to truly do something like that. But I'm in, I'm the bases. I'm really intrigued about the bases this year. I'm intrigued like the bigger bases, how that's going to play out. It's going to be helpful with stolen bases, like you said. It's going to be helpful. It, it, you know less injuries and even all that like it's supposed to be tacky the bases are changed too it's tackier like a couple of years ago rice harper got what uh hyper extended his knee running hard down first base on a wet surface and those kind of those kind of things are gonna it should stop so i think having those two extra inches will entice everyone to steal more but also you know making those routine plays it's gonna you know those bang bang plays are gonna be even quicker now too because now, now the now a shortstop, now a third baseman. He doesn't have to make that throw far, throw a little further. Those balls in the dirt might not be in the dirt as much anymore because now the first baseman can pick them easier. So it it should it should make more of a cleaner game too. 
So I th- I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ex- that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for what well, one should be less injuries because bigger bases. I mean, slide into the, into the bags. You're not going to have any more, any of those problems, but just true, like out and out plays, like see everything for what it's worth. I have a random question. Do baseballs go, go back to the way it was back in like 2019 when <laughs> it was juice balls? Because offense is going to be out of this world this year. And I, I'm curious to see if, if they go back to those baseballs and, and make it even more offensive. Well, I mean, I mean, it's pro- it was proven last year that there was three different baseballs being used last year. Depends on it just depended on who what the team was basically, depending on who the matchup was, what the matchup was. If it was more pitching matchup, then you had the dead balls. If it was more, they wanted the hitting to go. I mean, then they had the juice balls out there. I mean, I think they need to go back to the juice balls only because you're losing a lot of younger fans. Younger fans want to see offense. Younger fans want to see the home run, the steal, like Danny said. Younger fans want to see action. They don't want to see a 12 strikeout game. It's it's sitting there like, all right, that guy went down. All right. Even for the older generation like us guys, I want to see some action. Give me something. <laughs> Give me some guys running around. Give me the double. Give me the home run. Give me like, all right, you know, there's a good chance in the bottom of the ninth he's hitting a home run here. Even yeah. if he's not a home run hitter with that juice ball. How frustrating was that 18 inning game between the Astros and the Mariners? It was just like, yo, bro, like, come on. How many pop flies went to the outfield, deep in the outfield, they end up home runs if you have a juice ball? If you have a juice ball, a lot of those, like, deep fly balls turn into home runs, and you don't have to. Judge is hitting 70 this year with with juice balls. With a juice ball? (laughs) Oh, oh, mark mark it here first. Mark it here first. He's saying 70. No, no, you're going to go bigger than that? asterisk, juice ball. Yeah, juice ball, ball, juice ball. You, you with juice balls, he's beating. He's beating Barry Bonds' record. Oh, he's going yeah, seven. He he's might, going. Man. He's going seventy over seventy three. Oh boy, he might with juice balls, bro. Anything can happen. Come on now, I want. Anything I want definitive. Happen. I want some definitive here. Run, Danny. Put it, on, down. it down. Put an asterisk. Right, yeah, down sure. Right. Thing. It's not gonna happen, but sure. With asterisk of juice balls. Home run record. All right. Single season home run record. We call it right here. First. We're gonna play it back in September. Right on the Twitter, <laughs> Danny called After it. After Judge hits twenty-five homers, you know, let me not yeah, exactly. knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. All right, all right. I think that's gonna do it for us tonight. Paul, give a shit. Tell everyone where they can find you at, man. Uh, it's gonna be Paul Wooden and the number one on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Prospects fifteen hundred. We got our nice article coming out. My Yankees top fifty coming out. For prospects, everybody's is actually coming out um, this month. Give that a shot. Everybody's coming out with their uh, top fifty prospects, so it'd be something to read, something to look at for everybody. Give us a little, give give us a little uh, inside something. Give us something. Give us a hot take that you have coming out from the top fifty. Uh, can our Delgado ends up a top five prospect by the end of the year, and a Ooh. bottom one hundred and a bottom one hundred prospect by the end of the next year. Okay, you hear it here first too. There Look it is. That. There's another take. I've seen the I've seen the Jose Altuve comps. I'm all in for it. Let's bring it. It's a little early. It's a little early, but the Jose Altuve comps work. Yeah, he had a great FS, uh, FSL season. Dude, dude's got dude's got the speed in his little frame. He's got some power. Gain a little bit of power. Keep that speed. There it is. That's my that's my one. He is uh, in the top 15 now. I'm going to have him in the top five by the end of the year. Ooh, I like that. 
There you go. Let's hope so. I would love to have an answer to Jose Altuve, a Yankee Jose Altuve, without the buzzer, right? With, without any <laughs> sign cheating or anything like that. I would love that. I just want to mention one more guy, just for just for giggles. Me and Mark were talking about this. Augustin Ramirez, same type of thing. Catcher, took a couple of years to get where he needs to go. Got a little bit of power going on. I can see him shooting up quite a bit of rankings. I saw a lot of places that have him like low 30s into the 40s. That's the same thing with me. Another guy I'm, I'm rocking. I, t- I told you, Paul. I, Paul and I were talking about this a lot. I said to him, I said, I think, I think I'm, I think I'm changing gears. I'm, I'm kind of as much as I like Antonio Gomez. I'm switching over to Augustin Ramirez. I think he, and I think he's I, the, I think he might be the catcher of the future for the Yankees. I don't know if you guys touched on it in another podcast previously, the Lucas Litke trade. Also let's throw in Indigo Diaz. He could end up in a bullpen by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys touched on that last time, but that's another guy that keep watching. We, we haven't yet, but Big time fastball. He could get up to ninety seven. Yep. He stays around ninety three. But the sliders, uh, you know, the I'll, slider's real. He attacks. I'll, I'll, no I'll, I'll let our our viewers read your read your uh, top fifty prospects. I'm not gonna get too much into it, but he is a very interesting guy to to look at. Yes, I like I said. I think he ends up uh, in the bullpen by the end of the year. Hot takes all around. Hot takes all around. There you go. There's my three hot takes for the night, fellas. All right, perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, I want to thank everyone for, all over the place for, for listening to us. Um, as Dave likes to, likes to let, me, let me know about certain places like Colombia, Ecuador, and, and Bermuda, those guys are, have been listening to us as well. Thank you all very much. Um, you know, don't forget, check out our link tree, link.tree backslash Real Bronx Machachos, getting gear, getting any deals that we got going on. Check us out there. Um, for Paul, Danny, this is Mark. Bronx Machachos out. <laughs>